Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you joined us for this episode for Sunday, June 20th, 2022. Welcome aboard today. The title of the episode is Truth for Tough Times Between Two Worlds. Thanks for joining us today, and you found us at www.dredhill.podbean.com. I hope you'll share that with somebody, tell them about it, like the episode, and even share that episode, but also follow the podcast. All right, so here we are today, True for Tough Times, and we're talking about the fact that we live between two worlds. We've reached the last episode of Truth for Tough Times. I know that's hard to imagine. We spent so much time in First and Second Timothy, but we've come to the very last episode today. If you've missed all of them, I've got great news. We recorded them, and you can listen to every one of them free. We're going to see today that the Apostle Paul is going to be revealed to us in a way that possibly few have ever seen him before. We're going to see him in his humanness in this world and in his hope for the next world. But you have to ask yourself, especially as we see this today, what makes Paul able to die for Christ? Well, you know, it's not complicated It was his rock-solid knowledge of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul had absolutely zero doubt as to the Lord Jesus Christ being not only risen, but his Savior and Lord. Paul knew Jesus Christ on an experiential, transformational level. And many of you listening today can say that you also know him in the same way. Maybe there are some of you listening who are going like, what are you talking about? How can we know Jesus like that? Well, let's take a look at what this meant to the Apostle Paul. And we'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the podcast. So to answer the question, what was, what was it that made the Apostle Paul able to actually literally die for Christ? You remember he's in prison now and his execution is approaching. And he knows that, as we're going to see. How could he go through with that? Why not just renounce this whole Christianity thing and save his hide and be spared being executed. Well, Paul could never do that because of who he knew. Now, let's let's recap a few things from the last episode that will help all of this come together more. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we saw this last week. We're just going to use verses 5 through 8. Let's reread those. He's writing to Timothy the young pastor of the church in Ephesus, which Paul has started. And he says this, But watch thou in all things, 
endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered. We said last week that is a picture of a drink offering being poured out. You're not getting it back. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure. He's talking about his death. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. The Apostle Paul had a wonderful expectation of seeing his Lord face to face and of being rewarded for his service, difficult though it may have been, especially here at the end. And for all of this, Paul was willing to go through whatever the Lord Jesus Christ walked with him through. You see, it's not so much, how did he do it? But it's more, who did it through him and with him? Who went with him through all of this? Now listen, as times grow tougher and our stay in this world grows shorter, we need to master the balance of living between two worlds. Because every day you and I live the daily life here on earth and we are to be living our heavenly life already that we can experience now even before we go to heaven, our heavenly life, and we will live that fully for eternity. But we can experience that aspect of God invading our daily human life Anytime we need that. And the Apostle Paul knew that secret. So listen, as, as our time grows shorter, we, we have to learn the balance of living between the two worlds we're in. This tough world we're in, yes, we are, but also the fact that we are already seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And one day we'll realize that experientially, fully, for eternity. So if somebody lives like this, what does this look like? Well, we don't have to guess because right here today, we have a historical record of one who lived that balance, I would say, almost perfectly. So let's go as we finish the book of 2 Timothy and our series, Truth for Tough Times. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to read these last verses, 9 through 22. So Paul writes to his young pastor friend that he had mentored. He writes here in verse 9, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. You know what this means? Get with it and get here. Get here quick. Timothy, I would put it this way, like we might say in this house, hey, drop everything and get over here fast. You see, Paul didn't know exactly when he would face his execution. 
but he wanted to see Timothy again to encourage him and strengthen him that much more before Paul could no longer do it in this earthly world because he was going to his heavenly reward. In verse 10, Paul shares some of the frustration and heartache that every pastor knows. I've seen this, and I mean, I'm nothing special on that. Paul saw it. The Lord Jesus Christ even experienced this through Judas and his betrayal and how all the disciples uh, headed for the tall grass, remember, when the Lord was arrested and all of that. And it's verse 10. For Demas hath forsaken me. That word forsaken, it means like just, just dropped him like a hot rock and left. Now, Demas had been a, a good worker with Paul, but no more. For Demas hath forsaken me. That's a very strong word, by the way, in Greek. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved, the same word, by the way, that we use for God's love, that's the kind of love that Demas had for what? For this world system. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. So I think that it got too hot in the kitchen for old Demas, and he split. He left. Hey, forget Paul and this whole Christian thing. I'm out of here. That must have been so painful to the Apostle Paul. So Demas abandoned him and went to Thessalonica. Then he says, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Now these were two more of his young pastors that he had trained up, and they went on ministry, I believe, to Galatia and Titus. Uh, Crescens did that, and Titus unto Dalmatia. So they had the ministry to carry on, and they could not stay with the Apostle Paul. But that doesn't mean that Paul didn't experience loneliness, because here's three people that were with him, and now they're not. One for a bad reason and two for good reasons, right? Verse 11, only Luke is with me. This was Luke, the beloved physician who tended to the physical ailments of the Apostle Paul. Now that ought to puzzle some of you who understand with me that the Apostle Paul had the ability to heal people and he raised people from the dead. Why did he need a doctor? Well, I want you to ponder that and think about that a while. You see, the whole idea of healing people is not so I never get sick or it never, never goes wrong with me, right? And I don't really understand all about that, but nevertheless, Paul needed the medical help of Dr. Luke. Also, Luke, of course, wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. So he was also a very valuable resource to the apostle in that uh, regard as well. But Luke remained faithful with him. Then he says in verse 11, take Mark. Now this is the same John Mark who had started out on a missionary journey with Paul and uh, Barnabas. And then it got, for whatever happened, he didn't finish the mission trip. This caused a lot of trouble and Paul did not like it at all. 
And I think he kind of boy, possibly wrote off this John Mark character. But here, something has happened in Mark and in Paul, I believe, where he says, take Mark, that is, uh, get a hold of Mark and bring him with you. And he wants these to come quickly. Now, Mark had written the Gospel of Mark, which many believe was the, the Gospel from the standpoint of the Apostle Peter. So now he says, take Mark and bring him with thee. Now watch this. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. Only Jesus can do that, friends. Here were, here were two faithful workers for the Lord Jesus Christ who, who had a very difficult experience with one another, and they were both probably pretty sore about that. Here we find the Lord heals that. Isn't that great? And that still happens today if we will let him help us. Amen? And then verse 12, you see now, all of, all of, everything we've seen right here, it's like, this is like real life, right? People not getting along, people letting you down, turning their back on you, uh, realizing that maybe you were too hasty in your judgment about someone, and maybe they have, have proven themselves to be really great people after all, you know, that kind of thing. Well, verse 12 goes on, and Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. So Tychicus, maybe he was going there to help uh, Timothy as he pastored the church in Ephesus. Maybe he was going to take over the leadership pastoral role so Timothy could, could quickly come to the Apostle Paul. Maybe he brought the letter from, that Paul has written here to Timothy. Maybe he's the one that took it to Timothy in Ephesus. That would be perfectly logical, by the way. So here's one more person that was working with Paul, and now he's been sent off on this ministry duty. Verse 13, the cloak. Now this word cloak in Greek means a heavy outward, uh, outer garment. I, I would liken it in modern terms like a heavy overcoat, but it also sometimes had a, a hood. It was for winter wear. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee. Now, why would Paul say that? Uh, duh, Paul was cold in the Mamertine prison where he was. It wasn't central heated like the house you're probably in right now in the winter or air conditioned like it might be if you're listening during the summer when I'm recording this. Paul was cold. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee. Why did he need that? Because he didn't have one in this prison. You know, when you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not all health, wealth, and prosperity. It's not. And if you're believing that and being sold that, wake up. Here was the great apostle Paul who did not even have a heavy coat to keep him warm. But he goes on in verse 13 and says, and the books. Now, these would be um, things that he would read, right? But especially the parchments. We believe Paul wants reading material, 
You see, the truly great people in the world never stop learning. If you stop learning, start again. Paul was a man who knew a lot about the world in which he lived. So he wants the books, but especially the parchments. Paul wants things to read, maybe to help him in his studies, but also the very word of God. It may be that he had none of this any longer in the prison. You know, they weren't his buddies when they imprisoned him. Paul is having a very, very difficult time at this point. Verse 14. See, you're probably thinking, man, if I was only like the Apostle Paul and knew the Lord Jesus Christ as deeply as he did, things would be fine with me. Oh, really? Look at verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith, and this word uh, means anybody who worked with metals. Alexander the coppersmith, Apparently, he lived in Ephesus where Timothy was. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Now, Paul didn't try to get even with him, but he knew that one day the Lord would take care of old Alexander the coppersmith. Now, why is, why is he such a villain here and an enemy of the Apostle Paul? Well, here's why in verse 15. It wasn't personal. It was all about the gospel with Paul. Here's why. Of whom be thou where also. So he's telling him, watch out for this dude. Here's why. For he hath greatly withstood our words. Anytime the gospel was being preached and the word of God was being shared, you could count on Alexander the coppersmith, apparently, to oppose it publicly and forcefully. And the Apostle Paul said, Tim, watch out for this dude. He's a bad guy. He gave me a lot of trouble, and no doubt he's going to do the same for you and the church you're pastoring. So you see, when you're walking with the Lord, even though you're heaven-bound, You've got to deal with the realities of life in this world. And everybody listening, you either have, have had, or you're going to have an Alexander the coppersmith. Write it down and be ready for it. But don't take, you know, vengeance in your own hands. You leave that to the Lord. The Lord will take care of all of the Alexander the coppersmiths in our lives. You can be assured of that, but it doesn't mean that we're not aware of what a problem and headache they are. That's living between two worlds. Yes, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, and yes, I've got to deal with Alexander the coppersmith, and so do you. So get over yourself. Verse 16 in 2 Timothy 4. At my first answer, and this is, this is where he stood before the Caesar, who was Nero, the nut, by the way, at this point. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. That is simply incredible. 
No one apparently had the courage to go in before the Caesar with Paul. At my first answer, no man stood with me, like stood up for him and put in a good word for the Apostle Paul. And just in case we don't understand what he meant, it's crystal clear. But all men forsook me. You remember You remember when we read, I uh, believe I remember this correctly from what I looked at in the Greek, where it says, for Demoth hath forsaken me, same word. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. They got out of dodge. They wanted to be nowhere near the Apostle Paul when he went before the Caesar. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. So his concern here is like, what not, it's not like, what a bunch of knuckleheads. It's like, Lord, don't hold them against this against them. Isn't that a wonderful Christ-honoring attitude? He acknowledged that it hurt deeply, but he prayed for them that they would not have to answer for that. What a, what a God we have, amen, that worked like this in the Apostle Paul, and what a guy for God the Lord made out of the Apostle Paul, amen? May we all be more like him between two worlds when we have to live in this world before we can live permanently in the next. Verse 17, and again, you're probably saying, how could he do this? Verse 17, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. That is, he, he put power, his power, into Paul that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles, that's the non-Jews, might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. So the Lord stood with him, even though no one else did. And you see, it's wonderful that we have the Lord Jesus because he knows exactly what it feels like for everybody to abandon him and nobody stand up for him and speak up for him. And it's fascinating to me that the Apostle Paul walks exactly in the footsteps of his Lord and Savior. Amen. And may you and I have that privilege as well. But at his first answer, it wasn't time today. And we see there, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, he focuses here, I believe, more on the fact that even though he is about to die, there's no way he's not going to heaven. Jesus is able to get him there. And you know what? If you're born again, you're trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and what he did at Calvary, and you know he lives right now and he's coming again, he will get you there too. Amen. We live between two worlds, but our destination in the next world in heaven, when we know Christ, it's certain. When we say we have the hope of heaven, the Greek word hope usually means a a certitude, a certainty. You can bank on it. It's not like, I hope so. That's not the word. It is a firm assurance, and that's what Paul had. That's why then when they came at some point and took him to the executioner's block and he was beheaded, he didn't struggle. He didn't cry. He didn't beg not to go. He walked with the Lord, and that momentary pain was eclipsed by instantly being in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven eternally. Amen. Amen. Verse 19, Paul goes on, salute Prisca and Aquila. Now these are the, this is the couple, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, that we that's what we usually call them when we uh, think of them. This is, that's them and the household of Onesiphorus. So apparently, I'm reading this this way, Priscilla and Aquila were with Timothy in the church in Ephesus and the household of Onesiphorus. And then he says, Erastus abode at Corinth. So he was a faithful servant of the Lord, doing the Lord's work there, but he's not with Paul, right? Remember that. But Trophimus have I left at my leadum sick. Now stop right there. Paul had healed people and raised people from the dead. Why did he have to leave Trophimus at my leadum sick? Why didn't he just heal him? Here's why. A couple of very good possibilities. Perhaps that the uh, healings that we saw so commonly in spreading the gospel, that was not available to Paul at that point. I can't say that for sure, but if it was, then he could have healed Trophimus, right? Or, It may not have been the Lord's will that that power be exercised at this point for Trophimus. Remember, even the Apostle Paul had some type of thorn in the flesh and some type of difficulty with his eyes and his eyesight, literally. And he wasn't healed. I don't know the answer, but it is interesting that Trophimus had to be left at Miletum sick. And again, all that being true, he wasn't with the Apostle Paul. Paul is experiencing some loneliness here, I think. Verse 21, do thy diligence. Same idea of drop everything and come now. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Why? 
He's cold. He's alone for the most part. He needs that cloak. Maybe he suspected by the time that he was writing this letter that he wouldn't be alive once the winter came. We don't know exactly why, but he tells Timothy, same idea again of drop everything, get get here now. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee. Now we don't know, I don't know who he is, but he wanted to encourage Timothy and Paul passed that along. And Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brethren. This was the church, I believe, I would assume, in the city of Rome. Some of the members who were still trying to minister, probably uh, at least by prayer, to the Apostle Paul. So we don't know exactly who every one of them were and what the relationship was, but there were still people supporting Paul in some way, but he also felt that loneliness of being very alone at times. But watch how he closes this great, powerful letter, the last letter, as far as we know, that he ever wrote in this world. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Amen. Just like he was with the Apostle Paul, Timothy, uh, Paul wanted Timothy to have that same fellowship. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. So be it. Amen. I hope that this has ministered to you today because you possibly been feeling the strain of living between two worlds. This earthly world where we have so many tough times, and longing for that next world, our heavenly kingdom with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you feel discouraged at times or alone or you're disappointed in people or even opposed by people when you're trying to live for the Lord, you are in excellent company with the Apostle Paul. So get that chin up, trust in the Lord, and soldier on as we wait for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some of you may not know Jesus Christ truthfully as your Lord and Savior, but you know what? You can come to know him. You can be born again. You can become a Christian, just like Paul did, just like I have, and many others listening with you right now. I want to give you a phone number that you can call. It's not to us, but it is to a ministry which will help you come to know Christ. 877-247-2426. Call that number and put an end to following Satan and being condemned with him to an eternal hell. You know, hell is bad enough, but you will be there with him. It's even worse. Get off that road and get on the Jesus road today and be welcome into heaven and eternity with God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So don't beat yourself up. Everybody is a sinner except the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we all do not measure up to God's glory. In Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Well, that's true. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you want to truly live forever? You need to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 10, 8-13, let's just read verse 13 of Romans 10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you know what, friends? That's still true today. Some of you may want to go to chataboutjesus.com, chataboutjesus.com, and someone will chat with you about how to come to a personal, transformational, experiential relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, just like the Apostle Paul. Thank you for listening today. I will put some thought and prayer to our next series. I don't know what it'll be, but listen again next week, and we're going to go in a new direction as the Lord leads us. Follow this podcast, like this episode, and share this episode right now from where you're listening with someone else. Thanks so much. God bless you. Bye-bye.